Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. I once heard a story about a customs agent who spent his entire career working at the same border control checkpoint, and he was the person who was ultimately responsible for making sure that nothing got smuggled across the border. And he had pretty good instincts about these things. He prided himself on himself on these instincts. And one day, this guy comes to the checkpoint driving a, ch- a truck, and the agent just felt like something was off. But he did kind of the normal check that they would do for anybody going through that checkpoint, and they didn't find anything askew, so they let him on through. Well, about a month later, the same guy shows up in a truck, and the agent just feels like something is off. And so he directs them to a special lane, and so they have the guy get out of the truck, and they search that truck high and low for drugs and guns, for children, for Trader Joe's goods, whatever it is that someone might be uh, smuggling across the border. And they found nothing. So they send the guy on through. Well, the guy comes through in a truck again, and every time he shows up at this checkpoint, this same agent just knows that something is off, and he made it his mission to figure it out. So he used every piece of security equipment available to searching this truck. They did x-rays, they did sonar, you name it. If it was available to them, they used it, and they never found anything. And it just nagged at this guy. And finally, it came to his last day of work. He was retiring. And who comes to the checkpoint that day but the man in the truck? And so he looks at the guy and he says, I know you're smuggling something. I don't know what it is. But I'm not going to be able to think about anything but this in my retirement if you don't tell me what it is. I'm not going to arrest you. I'm not going to turn you in. But can you please just tell me what it is you've been smuggling all these years? The guy looked at him, kind of gave a knowing smile, and said, Trucks! Have you ever missed something so glaringly obvious? Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter. It's a scripture that we usually read during the season of Advent, which is the start of our Christian year. We are not in Advent, but we are kicking off a new year of life together So I thought it was appropriate to ground ourselves in the good news of the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before we read this scripture, let's pray. Oh God, you surprised us those thousands of years ago with the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. 
Surprise us once more this morning, we pray. Surprise us with your living word. Surprise us with a way that you break open our hearts to receive something new of your grace. Surprise us at our own ability to hear and witness something new of you that we might take back out into this world when our worship has come to an end. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Listen now to what the Spirit is saying to her church this day. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Trucks. He was smuggling trucks. Sometimes it is the most obvious things that are the hardest to see. Emmanuel, God is with us. I don't know how many times I've heard this scripture in my life. I don't know how many times I've preached this scripture in my life. I don't know how many times I've read the, word for, the words for myself on the page in my life. But somehow, in all these years, I've been able to fixate on this good news and somehow miss the truck. I focused on God when talking about Emmanuel. I focused on us, that Emmanuel is a gift to us. But what I've missed all these years is the middle, the with. God is with us. You know, so often we talk about what it is that God does for us. That is a lot of what we do when we show up to worship on Sunday morning, isn't it? We pick up the Bible and we read stories about all that God has done for our ancestors of faith. We read stories and hear about how God provided manna and quail for the Israelites in the wilderness how God provided a sacrifice for Abraham so that Isaac's life could be spared. We read about how God commanded the ravens to bring food to the prophet Elijah, how God blessed Abraham and his descendants. We do the same when we read stories of Jesus. We read stories and talk about all that Jesus did for people. 
how he fed thousands, how he healed, how he gave sight to the blind, how he exercised demons, how he forgave sins and washed feet, how he gave his life for our sins. It's easy to talk about all that God has done for us because there are no shortage of ways that God has provided for our ancestors and for us. And maybe you showed up to church this morning because you need God to provide for you today. Maybe you showed up because you really needed to sit in a sanctuary and worship with other people as you desperately cry out to God from the depths of your heart to get that relationship unstuck. Or maybe in the prayers of the people, you'll be asking God to heal you or heal your spouse or heal your child. Or maybe you showed up because there's some burden that is weighing so much now that your shoulders are beginning to sink and you hope that by showing up, God will somehow lift it so that the weight is less. We often show up to worship because we need God to do something for us to provide yet again more faith, more hope, more comfort, more love. I am very clear these days about all the things I need God to do for me. My prayers of late have pretty much been exclusively asking God to do things on my behalf. Heal my mother, comfort my father, comfort my grandmother. So much of our lives and our livelihood can be reduced to transactions. I go to work and I get paid. You do the same. We pay money and a service is provided. I show up for you in a time of need and you return the gesture when I'm in need, give and take. So it makes sense that we would calculate our relationship with God in the same way give and take. It makes sense that the most comfortable way to talk about our faith might be by measuring all it is that God does for us. You might think back on your faith life and pay attention to where God showed up based on what God has done for you with answered prayers, restored relationships, health, family, hope, this church. You might look back on your faith life and remember all the things God hasn't done for you. Unanswered prayers, conflicts that haven't ceased, relationships that came to an end despite you putting in every effort to mend them. It's easy to talk about faith and our relationship with God in terms of what God does for us. But if that's all we talk about, then we miss out on the glaringly obvious truth that God's whole life, God's whole action, God's whole purpose are shaped to be with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Sam Wells is the former dean of the Duke Chapel, and he now serves a church in London, and he's the one I have to thank for pointing out the truck that was staring me in the face of Scripture and has helped me pay attention to this most important word of our faith. 
as he says, think back to the very beginning of all things. John's gospel says the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. And think about how Jesus concludes his ministry. His very last words in Matthew's gospel are, Behold, I am with you always. Or in other words, there will never come a time when I am not with you. And at the very end of the Bible, when the book of Revelation describes the final disclosure of God's everlasting destiny, this is what the voice from heaven says. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. That simple little four-letter word tells us everything we need to know about the heart of God. God's whole being is shaped to be with. And God's greatest desire for each of us is to know this truth, that God is with us through presence and participation and partnership. God's whole life is shaped by the permanent resolve never to be, except to be with us. That simple little four-letter word, it turns out, may be the most important word of our faith. Presence matters. God's presence matters. I went to seminary with a guy named Jason. He was a good old southern boy in the best sense of that saying. And he knew that after seminary, he wanted to go serve a rural church. Now, we went to seminary in Atlanta, Georgia. This is not a rural place. So for him to get experience in what it would be like to be the pastor of a rural church, he had to go far beyond the Atlanta city limits, and he found a little church that was willing to take him on that was 90 minutes one way from school. But he did it because he knew that he didn't want to be anything other than a rural church pastor. But as you might imagine, being a student with a full course load, he was also married and had four young little boys. He had to be very intentional about his time. He couldn't just run over to the church and have a meeting with a committee chair one afternoon. He couldn't stop by the hospital in between classes to check in on someone who was sick. He had to figure out his time carefully to make it work. One morning, we both got to our theology class early, and we were sitting together and waiting for the professor to come in and get the lecture started. And somehow, in the course of our conversation, he told me that he was debating with himself about going to a funeral. He said, I think I can make it if I run out as soon as this lecture is over and drive out to this little town. But I have a seminar this afternoon, and my kids all have after-school activities, and no one has asked me to go. Actually, the church has nothing to do with this funeral. Everything's being handled by the funeral home, but I just think it would be nice to show up. Well, the professor came in and our lecture got started and 
we didn't return to it. But I saw him in the library a couple days later, and I said, hey, what do you decide to do about that funeral? He said, oh, I hopped in my car and I went. I spent the whole 90-minute drive debating with myself whether I was making the wrong choice, whether I should just go to the library, finish my homework, and then be really present with my kids that night. But I arrived by the time I finished the debate. So I got out of the car at the funeral home and found the little side chapel, took a bulletin, and sat down in a pew. said, I'm really glad I went because I was the only person who showed up. Presence makes a difference. You know the most important thing God ever did for us? It was choosing to be with us. Because God could have chosen another way. God could just fix everything that's wrong and spare us the relationship. But that's not God's way. God can do it all alone. But God chooses not to. God chose to do it with us, even though it cost the cross. Emmanuel, God is with us. God showed up for us. It's so simple that it's easy to miss. That God's whole being is shaped by God's choice to show up, to be with us. God chose to show up for you those thousands of years ago, and God makes the same choice every single day. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with you. Trucks, can you see it? Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day, and always, always. Amen.